You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Visit bpn.fm to discover more. Well, it took 35 years, but Phantom of the Opera has finally left Broadway. It was a show that I first discovered in high school, and I went on to perform Music of the Night several times in high school and college. And when I moved to New York in 2008, Phantom was certainly at the top of my list of musicals that I wanted to audition for. And I did actually get to audition for Raoul, as well as Messieurs Fermin and André, but (laughs) it wasn't meant to be, I suppose. However, I've known and worked with several people who have gone on to perform in this amazing show. And one of those is Jeremy Stoll, who was with the show for 15 years. He joined me at the end of last season to share his experiences with the show. And with the closing of Phantom, I wanted to revisit that conversation and share some highlights as he talked about playing the role of Raoul and the Phantom himself. Welcome to a very special Rewind episode of Why I'll Never Make It, The Phantom Edition. I'm your host, Patrick Oliver-Jones, an actor and singer who first fell in love with Phantom of the Opera after discovering the highlights album of the show, and have gone on to see countless performances both in New York and on the road. And I'm taking a little time today to commemorate this wonderful show. The podcast website is whyillnevermakeit.com, where you can subscribe, donate, and find past episodes. Again, that's whyillnevermakeit.com. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, Jeremy. It is a joy to see you again. It's been a few years, but I'm so glad to have you on the podcast and get to talk about a little phantom today. Matt, I am so glad to see you. I appreciate you having me. It's uh, it's it's a joy to catch up on our lives because I met <laughs> you at the beginning of my career. And uh, right, nice right, it's been twenty plus years now that we've known each other. Exactly, it's wild. And for you, you have now been with Phantom for fifteen years, which has been basically your life here in the city. And so, what was it that finally? propelled you into phantom to start your journey with it tell you what i struggled when i got here uh i moved to new york 
with a hope, a dream, and a tube of chapstick. And I was booking things around town, not around town, but all over the US. Little little shows, three weeks, six weeks. It, it was a great time, but it wasn't a living. And then I got married and I felt that I needed to provide. And I wasn't really, I was just getting by and I wasn't really uh, providing at the time. So I decided I'm not going to do this anymore. And I, I decided I quit and I threw my audition book in the garbage and I was done. And I started uh, going to school for graphic design. And then I got a call from Phantom and I said, no, thank you. Oh, wow. I've been in for you guys for like 10 years now, once a year, twice a year. If you don't know me, you don't want, what, <laughs> what are we doing? What is this dance? Right. So what my wife at the time uh, said to me, why are we in New York? Why do we pay these outrageous prices and struggle like this? If you're not going to go in for this audition, it's like, fine, I'll go. And I went so they basically they gave you the sides of every song and everything the phantom sings i didn't open the packet because i'd been singing it since i was 16. it's like what do you want to hear what tempo what style what kind of you know like i i, <laughs> I knew everything yeah and they said music of the night and i went in and i sang it and it was funny because they i sang it and they looked at me but what so what was different in this audition was usually you sing for uh an assistant or somebody who's going through a great amount of people and picking out who they want to present. And I never got picked out. In this case, I was in front of the um, head conductor of England and New York, and then the head casting agents. And I stopped, I sang the song and they looked at me and went, wow, why haven't we seen you before? <laughs> Don't you love that? Oh my gosh. I love it. I think the steam... I, I was able to not show the steam coming out of my ears, but it was it was rather frustrating. And then so after a week's worth of auditioning, I uh, shifted gears and uh, got that job and my quitting didn't stick. So I then did a Broadway show. Well, I mean, Phantom of the Opera is one of those shows. I mean, obviously, it's been around Broadway 35 years now. And and for me, I mean, I discovered when I was in high school, I, I bought the albums. I was obsessed with Michael Crawford, so I bought all of his album. I mean, I was like into the show. It inspired me to be like, oh, I can do this for a living. This is what I want to do. I want to be an actor. I want to go into musical theater and do this show one day. Did you have the same similar connection to it? Or when did you discover Phantom yourself? That's a great question, man. Um, I discovered Phantom in when I was 16, 17 in high school. Was and that's when I started theater. I didn't know what theater was or if that that was a, a thing at all. Like I kind of roped into it. Uh, but then I discovered Phantom interestingly because my uncle loved the recording of it, uh, the soundtrack, and he was playing it in his car the whole weekend that we were hanging out. And he put it in at first, and I went, what is that? What is this? Oh, my God, what is this? What are you listening to? It's Phantom of the Opera. What is Phantom of the Opera? What is that? By the end of the weekend, I had to have the book and the CD. Of course. And, and so I loved it. I was I was that kid. And, and then I was told that people do this for a living, and that was it. I was in. It was like, okay. You can make a living at hanging out with your friends and singing and dancing. Uh, uh, how? Where? 
Where do I sign up? So when you're in New York, then Phantom finally comes along. You get it. Was this Broadway debut everything you wanted it to be? Funny question, man. I I don't know about you, but when I was younger, I always had this. <laughs> do you ever do the the Tony speech in your head and the and the, how it's going to oh, go course, when you right? finally yeah. achieve that goal? Well, I always had the the idea of that when I got my first Broadway show, when I finally got the call that I was going to basically run through the streets so happy, like, yeah, I did it. I'm here. And I, and I actually was just like, they called and they said, we'd like to hire you. It's, it's even worse. They called me. I went in, the audition was for the tour and they called and said, we're not going to hire you for the tour. We'd actually like to put you in the Broadway show. And to anyone else, that would have been the greatest news on the planet. I I kind of put the phone down on my shoulder and went, are you serious? After all this time, God dang it. This is whatever. Okay. Yeah, that sounds great. Thank you. <laughs> you were disappointed. I was like, this is how this goes down. This is how I booked my Broadway show instead of the 45,000 auditions I've been through in the last seven years. The one that I said no to because it, there's no, I, it, I don't know. But it, it took me a minute, maybe a half an hour, an hour, and it kind of started soaking in. And then I started calling my parents and they were excited. And and so then it was all good. But at that moment, I did not <laughs> run through the streets whatsoever. <laughs> right. It kind of had to sink in about what you actually had finally accomplished. And so that was 15 years ago. And it's, you know, fandom has been your home for a long time now. And I mean, for most Broadway performers, they hit a show, maybe a year, to, you know, a few contracts, and then they move on to other shows. And But you, you've stuck with it. What has kept you at fandom so long? Isn't that funny? Uh, well, several things kept me there. Um, stability, because I've had a taste of struggle for a long time, and the stability was glorious. At first, I wanted to move on to the next thing. But then I really didn't want to take that risk. I want to just sit for a while. And then that became more of a while. And that became more of a while. I did get to leave. They, they're they very nice about letting us go in and out of the show to do little projects. Um, so I did leave and I did a big symphony of Music Man in California. I did The Hunchback of Notre Dame with Disney and their album. So I took a little stint for that. There's a few summers in Wichita. And that was fulfilling. I had my own concert while doing it. So I kind of took that job and said, you know what? I'm going to stay in here, create this stability and raise my two children that I had during the show and then do side projects as, as long as they'll allow it. And I think this is a, a fine living for me. You go in and out of, of love with it. And there's there's a struggle and there's a, a mental mindset. It's not like you walk into the show every day and say, I'm super glad to be here. Some days are a struggle. You go, what's happening? Why am I I'm doing the same thing every day for 15 years? But then some days you walk in and go, I've been doing the same thing every day for 15 years. <laughs> and yeah. it's, uh, I don't know, what kept me there was, how could I not be there? What else am I going to do? Well, also, Phantom, as opposed to these other shows that only last two, three, maybe five years, Phantom has been there 35 years. So there is a stability that that show has had that most other Broadway shows do not have. So you can stay there year after year and feel like it's a home. It's your career is Phantom. I was offered other things, other shows, and um, either I didn't believe it would last 
And then I would be right back at the bottom looking for another job. Or I didn't like it as much. If you're gonna if you're gonna pull me from the show that I absolutely love, it better be good. And in some cases, I I thought I don't love that show. I I don't know if I want to dedicate my life or <laughs> my income to that. And I don't think it's gonna last. And I was right. I watched so many shows load in, and I watched them load right back out. And <laughs> and shows that passed me up too. I, I'd be in a final callback for a show. And I'd say, all right, well, you know, they didn't take me. And I'd watch them load in and I'd watch them load out. Bye-bye, <laughs> right? And I was in Phantom the whole time. Well, let's get to your first story that you wanted to cover. And this is, you know, obviously fan of the opera. The big title character himself is Phantom. And this is one of the times when you were Phantom. And one of the most iconic images of that is the big gondola ride. You know, he's taking Christine down to the depths and you have the candles and the fog all around you. But in one of the performances while you're singing Music of the Night, an unfortunate incident happened during that gondola ride. Tell us about this. I can either confirm or deny the truth of this story, but had it happened, I can tell you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, it's just tragic. It's one of those moments that, to give you an idea of how this moment was, I went into the office after the scene and the stage manager looked at me in absolute awe and said, I I know I'm supposed to say something, but let's just bookmark this as an isolated incident and move on. I, I don't even know what to say. Um, so as you described, the Phantom does take the girl... Uh, he grabs her through the mirror and he takes her down to his basement apartment to really impress her. And then they get on uh, the gondola boat and he's floating on the lake. If I, I'm trying to set up the scene without, <laughs> without my body. It's interesting. Um, and, you know, candles come up to the floor and there's fog and it's, it's really spectacular. So we're on the gondola and we're doing the, Phantom of the Opera scene, and we stop, the boat turns around, and I say to her, sing, sing, and I was like, sing higher, sing higher, sing for me. She sings notes that dogs can only hear. It's, it's a great scene. And then we get over to the music of the night, and it's a very cool, dark, mysterious song. It's it's slow, and it's got all the dynamics, and high, and um, a lot of falsetto notes, and just the most beautiful setup ever at the end of the scene the phantom reveals a mannequin dressed in a wedding dress and the wedding dress then falls forward and she faints on the floor right so she's laying on the floor because that's her staging because she's fainted this is a, actually this is one of the parts of the show that i have a problem with it's <laughs> like when women when it gets tough women just faint right it's like, oh my God, I have a daughter now. And I'm going, this is, this is not right. This is not right. Right. This but is not she, what women really do. Yes. Yeah, that's right. They will fight. They, so <laughs> she falls on the floor and she's fainted. So the phantom goes to cover her with his cape and he walks over to the gondola where he's done this whole swish thing where he pulls off his cape and his hat and he, it's this absolute, uh, showmanship with with the cape and he lays it so flat on the gondola so he goes back over to pick up the cape 
and he swooshes the cape over her on this musical cue and it floats down in this perfect wave like uh like a, a feather falling on the ground right and it covers her and he says help me make the music of the night and he points over to the left side of the theater to uh interestingly enough an exit sign over on top of the box four whatever that's the music of the night and it's a beautiful scene but this night that i did it we did the whole thing and she faints and i walk over to the gondola and i pick up my cape and i grab it with my two hands and i swooshed it like i'm supposed to on the music well there's two little strings on the cape that wrap around our back so that it will hold over our shoulders really tightly and secure. And I swooshed the cape, but those little strings wrapped around the pole that drives the gondola. And I tell you, there is not a magician on this planet that could have done what I did. It wrapped around and I swooshed the cape and it picked up the pole. Now, this is a wood dowel. It's a two-inch wood dowel. It's about six feet long. It's huge. But it picked it up, and it sent it into orbit, right? It's flying across the stage oh like a helicopter gosh. blade in a perfect perpendicular, in that perfect horizontal line across the stage. And, of course, that pole could have gone in the orchestra. It could have gone over off the side. But, no, of course not. Why would it have gone anywhere else but right at the girl who has fainted and has closed her eyes and is laying on the stage. This thing flies and you see the audience's head go, whoa, as this is right. Cause, cause I'm sure they think like, wow, what's happening? This is cool. Or yeah. Or, you know, the fans who know the show are going, oh, right. People who know the show, they're like, this is not right. This is not, this is not the staging. So it flies over and that thing clocks around top of the head on a perfect, perfect hit. Oh my gosh. And oh my gosh. it was right, right on top of her head. And I was stunned. I didn't know what to do. I had, I had to go on with the scene, obviously. So I go over to her and what we do is we, we bend down to her head and we adjust the, we adjust the cape over her. And, and then we sing to her and the audience and the sign, help me make the music of the night with that note of the night the whole time. I had to go sit down by her head in front of the audience as if nobody just saw what happened <laughs> and continue the scene. And I did. And her eyes, she was fluttering. She was in so much pain and she was sitting there with tears in her eyes. And I was so embarrassed and so sad. I, I just, I went on with it because we were about to have a blackout and we sang it and then there's the blackout and it was a long blackout, I will tell you, because they had to go tell the understudy that she's going to be on and they took her and they took her into the office and then they had to take her to the uh, emergency room to get checked out because that's a head injury. And then we had to go on with the show. And it was the most unbelievable scene that you could imagine to even describe, to describe it with you now, it's like, how how would you ever come up with that concept? And then at the end, I went in the office and he's, you know, that he said, I I, I don't even know what to say, right. I, I guess. Like, like how I, did that even happen? That Exactly. 
But now I own a part of the uh, the staging because we, as the phantoms, we go over to the cape and we don't swoosh it from the boat. We pull it up, make sure the boat pole is not attached, walk away <laughs> right? from the boat, and then do it. Then because, swoosh. Oh, that poor girl. Yeah, yeah. I I assume she was okay at the end. Yes, I was just about to say that. Thank you. Um, she she actually was just fine. Um, the doctors were. You're cautious, but she she didn't have a terrible injury. It was just very painful at the time because she yeah. didn't even know what was happening. Her eyes are closed, laying on the floor and clock, you know, just oof. But she's fine. Her head's fine. She forgave me. And uh, and I didn't get fired. That's the big takeaway. The second big takeaway that, that she's not hurt and I didn't get fired. So at this point, how long had you been doing the role of Phantom? I I must have been there seven, eight years by this point. Okay. So it was like rote to you. I mean, you knew what you were yeah. doing. So it wasn't, yeah. It was an absolute fluke. It, it, yeah, exactly. It was, wow. I'm thinking about it now and I'm having a, like a little bit of a, my heart little flashback. A little bit, yeah. Like, oh God. <laughs> when doing the role of Phantom, I mean, obviously it's this iconic, like worldwide character. Does that pressure ever come to you or was that really toward the beginning but now it's more settled than you you know what that pressure comes to me nearly every time because if it's not the audience has a great expectation the the sing the that sing through is is epic and it's hard and not a lot of people can do it a lot of people can do it but not a lot of people can do it successfully and great and so there's that pressure and then the staging is so detailed that I get caught up in all the 5,000 things we have to do in the staging to correctly do the performance. But on top of that, my bosses are Andrew Lloyd Webber and Cameron McIntosh. <laughs> and they can right. be in the audience at any time. So it is, it's never like, yeah, I'm Phantom today. We're going to be all right. Let's just have a good time. Every day is like, I am taking this so seriously. <laughs> it is, it's iconic and it's large. And the expectation is so big that you, you take care of that role. Like it's your mother's best China. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and when it comes to your own performance, Obviously, you know, as any performer, there are days when we're in great vocal shape, some days we're not. Is that a difficult role to navigate if you're not 100%? If you're, yeah, exactly. If you're not 100%, that role is is rough. And you've got to warm up and you've got to relax and you've got to trust it. And, uh, and you can't think about what's happening in Act 2 where you have another 12 A-flats to belt out. You just, you have to go moment to moment and relax because if you start getting yourself worked up, I think it you drain that stamina twice as fast. Yeah, because those last 13 minutes of the show, which are some of my favorite moments of the show and it, when the climax and everything's kind of coming together for Raul and Phantom and Christine, that's a marathon there at the end. It's crazy, yeah. Uh, you get used to it though. I, I, I love that you used the word marathon because- the show is a marathon, but, you know, marathon runners get up and can do it. No problem. And then go have a beer and a steak and go back to work because they train for it and they practice and they're in shape for it. And that's that's when people ask why we rehearse so much. And I think that 
that's one of the big reasons and it keeps us in shape and we are ready on a moment's notice to do an epic role without fail and i don't know what i want to say it's uh it, it's it's rough but we are in great shape that's what i want to say we are in very good shape i worry i you know what's funny is the pandemic happened and we all came back to work I don't think any of us realized how good of shape we were in because we came back to sing and we were absolutely struggling like crazy. Oh my God, this song is impossible. And it took a while to get back into shape and really just be able to rip it out like that eight times a week. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, for story number two, we get to the other male lead in the show, Raul. And I believe this was one of the first times that you were doing the role of Raul. And there's a certain bridge jump that happens where Raul has to jump into this very small hole on the floor. (laughs) That's right. And so on this particular night, it didn't really go exactly as planned. So describe this jump for us and and why it's so nerve-wracking. Oh my gosh. The jump is, it's a 15-foot jump from a bridge in the middle of the stage through the stage floor into the basement onto a crash mat. And as I gassed on, you, you know crash mats because mm-hmm. that ending scene is it, some directors want you to fall backwards on a mat, some down, but it's not the most comfortable jump of your life. It's a little unnerving because things can happen. Well, in this case, we have to jump through a cut in the stage about the size of a coffin, which you'll be in if you miss. And it takes a lot of skill to jump through that. They hire a stunt team to show you the the stunt. And there's a lot of safety measures taken to make sure that we don't die. Um, but it still feels that way. Some of the guys love it. They jump and they go, whoo <laughs> They jump <laughs> up from the thing from the bridge and into the floor. And I every time I put my leg over. I look out into the audience and and wonder if this is my last time. <laughs> it's, now, no, do you go feet first, or is it you more go, like you, you start go to go heart feet first? Yes, you okay. go feet first, and then you there's a line on the mat that you crash your heels to, and then you have to fall forward in into the mat, and then there's a hydraulic lift that brings you down to the basement because they they lift the pad up, and as soon as you hit it, the hydraulic lift lowers to. Uh, take you out so they can close all the the doors. So I I looked over and on this night, my my very first night, 
I was so consumed with that jump. And I thought, oh God, man, this is this is rough. I, it's fine. It's gonna be fine. It's gonna be fine. The whole night I'm singing and doing the show, all I can think about was the jump. And it came to the jump, and I looked over and I jumped into the pit. And luckily, everything was fine. So I was very happy. And now we get to the ending scene, and I am lit up because that part of the show is done. I'm like, let's let's finish this, boys. <laughs> My adrenaline is, I, it's at peak level at this point. And so if you've seen the show, you know that Raul's in a noose at the end because the Phantom puts a noose around his neck so that he can, he, he's stuck and then he can yell at him and sing and they have their little trio. But I started noticing a bunch of people coming into the sides of the stage, uh, off stage, and they're looking at me and watching the show i'd been in the sh the show had been open 20 years by this point and they're watching and they're smiling and i i just couldn't help but be overwhelmed by the fact that the cast is watching from the wings after 20 years and supporting the new kid at this role it was really sweet and more and more people came and they're just with the big smiley faces we got to the end of the show and we're taking our bows and the ensemble comes out and they all, then there are three lines. It's a huge ensemble. There's three lines of them. And then they split open the middle of the stage and the Rao comes in and he turns the corner and walks straight up the middle of the stage to the audience. Well, I turned the corner to take my bow. And it was at that moment that I understood why they were smiling and laughing and having a great time. Cause luckily I made that jump, but my pants did not. I had split my back of my pants all the way from the top down to the back of the leg. Now- Wait, wait, all the way down to your leg? All the way down to the back of my knee. Oh my gosh. Like, did, did, you just, didn't feel it? I annihilated these pants. Yeah, I didn't feel it because my adrenaline's just going nuts, right? Maybe there's a cold, cold draft or something, but I'm not paying attention. <laughs> And they're laughing and laughing and laughing. And I don't know if you've ever had the pleasure of wearing these things, but there's like a dance belt involved with this costume. Oh, boy. So I'm cheeks to the wind, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so I go out and I take my bow and I'm smiling at the audience and I'm smiling at the cast at the same uh -huh. time, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> With your other cheeks, yeah. Oh, my God. I, I mean, I leaned into it, like, in, in the most literal way. I absolutely leaned into it and let them see my cheek. And they were just, they were dying. The cast fell out. Like, <laughs> uh, I, I, it's, I'm not the only one it happens to. I'm sure. Well, how, why were you not able to get new pants or change? Is it just because of the blocking and there's just no time? or? Yeah, there's no time for it. There's, I had that one pair of pants at the time because it's my first show. Oh, right. Yeah. You get your one understudy clothes and that's it. Yeah. yeah that's all you hit. That's it. <laughs> but now I have a spandex gusset in my in my pants so that it can take the force. <laughs> <laughs> so it can stretch with wherever yeah. you need to go. Boing. Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, it's it's a common thing for Riles because the the force of that jump is 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 big. I can imagine. Yeah, and and especially if you tighten up any, then the then you know it it's got to stretch with you. That's you right. Know, it's got to move with you. That's oh right. my gosh. 
Now, when it comes to performing Raul and Phantom, obviously these are the two male leads, and they're both after Christine, so that's where they what they have in common. But obviously, they're different roles. How do you play both of them differently? Oh well, Raul's very entitled, and he kind of walks around the world like you're welcome. Hi, I'm Raul. You're welcome. Very Gaston, <laughs> right? Uh, yeah. And so you kind of drive drive the evening with charm and with entitlement and it's just it's very you put your shoulders back and you you sing like you deserve everything that's happening to you and you, you go for it and there's concern for her there's moments in the show where you kind of um you're not as concerned for her as much as you just tell her how to be i'm gonna fix you and i'm gonna be this and on the opposite side of that the phantom is very vulnerable he's he kind of puts on a front where he wants everybody to think he's put together but he's absolutely 100 percent insecure and it's fun to play because everything that doesn't go the way he planned in his head takes him back and he has to reassess the situation and try again and try this tactic and try this tactic where Raul, everything i say happens and with Phantom, everything I say doesn't happen. And it it works really nicely when you have a nice partner on stage because when they know that they need to react for you so that the story can come out the way it's supposed to, it's it can be rather fun. But the, the two parts are, are vastly different. You are correct. They're both tall leading men, but uh, the, our, our journey is, is quite different. And is there one that you enjoy more than the other? I mean, obviously oh, they're, they're very different. Oh, Phantom all the way. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's oh please. It's it's the title role of like the most successful <laughs> musical of, of all time. There's not even a comparison. Um and as as I advance in age, I, I'm interested in in Rao less and less and less. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- yeah. Like has your I guess growth in either role changed as you say with aged? Have you brought different nuances to both characters absolutely yeah as as a phantom i've I've become more still and more uh, uh more confident in knowing it doesn't take much to put out what you're saying there's the, the, i guess there's a stillness with age that i had to earn because i i went into the show as a young puppy <laughs> and, and in that kind of way and very boisterous and and uh and now i'm i'm calmer and do everything with intent and purpose and i don't waste movement and i think that that uh that's a big how thing he was he always strive for that with the phantoms and it took me a long time to learn it and with age it came naturally yeah because there is a certain I guess, manic approach that you can go at Phantom because he is, he's, he's kind of desperate. He's trying to win her. He's, he's a little crazy at times. So there is that. But as you say, it's really in the stillness that gives him his strength and power. Yeah, absolutely. There's, when you're regal, if you watch people who are uh, the English royal family, they don't waste a movement. They don't waste time. They just, they know exactly what to say at all, all times. They kind of, they they shake your hand and nod and are very polite and move on to the next person in the in the best way. And then you get like rock stars who, who kind of approach everything like, what's up, dude? You know, and there's just this whole version of the how those people approach life. And to be regal takes practice and 
uh, experience, I think. As much as you've done it now, these past 15 years, you're, you're comfortable in the role itself, but there is always still that pressure of being the phantom. So you have to, you have to like step into it. But you also, at the same time, there's the pressure of that you give yourself or I give myself, I can't speak for everybody, but I want to be better every time. Every time I do it, I want to be better. And I want the next time to go even better and even better. And you're always striving towards perfection that you can never get to. Like space in the beyond. There's no end to it. But you just keep searching. You keep going. Yeah. I don't I don't know if anybody ever goes, I'm finally done with this role. I have completed everything I need to do. I have done it perfectly. No way. <laughs> then you fail. Stamp it, freeze yeah, it, cut there it. There it is. Done. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for joining Jeremy and myself today as we talked about all things Phantom of the Opera. I'd love to hear your stories as well. I mean, you must have your own connection with this long-running musical. Maybe you loved it, maybe you hated it. I just know that I would love to hear any experiences that you've had in connection with this iconic show. You can find me on Instagram or Twitter at WinMePodcast, or just send along an email to why I'll never make it at gmail.com. Well, I'm your host, Patrick Oliver Jones, in charge of writing, editing, and producing this podcast. Background music is by Blue Dot Sessions and John Bartman. And stay tuned next time as we talk more about why I'll never make it. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.